And welcome to episode number 84 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Yeah, it's been a while, I know. There's been a lot going on. A lot of hockey going on. But it is episode 84. Before I introduce the panel, I go to our first panelist at Sportsology on Twitter, Russ Cohen. Do you have an 84? Because Anthony Mingione is sitting there just waiting <laughs> to pounce like a cat it. on catnip. See if he gets it. I don't. I'm going to let Anthony go. All right, yeah. I got I got Mikhail Grabowski, formerly of the uh, Toronto oh, that's a good Maple one. Leafs, the center. Wow, that is a yeah, great one. Actually, first thing I, that popped in my head when you went eighty four, I was like, "That's." The I, I blanked on eighty four. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm blanking on it too. It's just that is a weird number. It is a weird oh, number, but that, that makes it to me. It makes it a lot easier to try to remember, like who had. Oh yeah, Grabowski had eighty four. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's <laughs> a great one. Yeah, that that one. That's that's a boffo. That's a good point, uh, and that's why we have you on. And, and, and guys, listen, this time we're going to do the episode and it's actually going to be put out because we did one uh, earlier b- before the return to play and I, we did it on Zoom and I either ran out of space on my computer, so I'm taping this one to the cloud, um, and I was never able to retrieve the yeah. 50 minutes that we did. I'm like, what the hell? It was great though. <laughs> Some of Nobody ought to know. Time, yeah. to repeat, time to repeat the effort. <laughs> here, here, yeah, it's ex- repeat the compete, Ant. I love it. Uh, all right, so here's what we're going to do. The, the return to play is underway, and we've got plot lines and storylines and drama and all kinds of craziness going on. And what I've done, guys, is I have developed 20 questions for comment, commentary, and debate. All right, okay. so we'll kind of go through this quick, and we'll, we'll all hit it. Um, but let's get right to it, because we've got a ton to get to in this episode. So let's, we're going to start with the Flyers, because that's obviously the team that's under our nose. Um, and right now, and we'll start with you, Russ, the biggest takeaway for you for the Flyers in the wins over the Bruins and the Caps? Well, coach, they listen to their coach. They play, they do exactly what their coach wants them to do. It's a great one. And for me, again, it's, a, it's, it's the prep as, as building on what Russ said, preparation and execution. I've been particularly impressed with their defensive comportment uh, against both teams. Uh, specifically the pairing of Myers and Sanheim have really kind of opened eyes. And if you have a a really good second pair, that makes things a lot easier when you have to put the big, big load on Provorov and Niskanen up top. When you've got at least two pairs and a third pretty good pair, that's the thing I'm noticing almost immediately with Philadelphia. And it's just, it's been attention to detail more than anything. They seem like they're using this time to get themselves really at, at, at peak level once they hit the round of 16. Yeah, I totally – the team defense, the back pressure, you know how teams obtain the zone, they love to curl up on like the half wall to see what's coming to, to find the rush opportunity on like a three-on-two whatever. Yeah. Every time that happens, the back pressure is eating that up in both the games. It's amazing. And you're right. It's, we always say the same thing. We always go, you know, the game's all about the details. And Lane said it last week. He said, simple is smart. And they've done that. And you see mm-hmm. the other teams, not on the power play, but they've done that. Um, well, that's my biggest takeaway, too, is just the preparedness and that they're playing with a different intensity than their opponent. I can't get past Carter Hart in the game against the Bruins. Now, and guys, it wasn't the 34 saves on, 34 sh- on 35 shots or the fact that the only goal went off his defenseman skate. It was that his heart rate never exceeded 70 beats per minute. The way he looked in that game – the way he carried himself, he never overplayed a situation. He was calm. It's his first playoff game. He's going to be 22 in, what, a week or something? And the way he looked in that game, to me, just, like, aesthetically calm. I think there's a trickle-down effect to the entire team when you see that. I was blown away by that element of it, not just the 34 saves. Yeah, he, he definitely was a calm, cool customer in that game. I remember he didn't have any flubs. He did have one little flub behind the net, which I guess he's going to have – every game but yeah he again, put that one on the boards on the yeah he rimmed it on the boards he yeah. did but but again the only thing i wonder is and this is with the capitals and the bruins how hard are they trying and the bruins at times didn't even care about that game i hate to say it but they that didn't. third goal went in and they flew the flag russ they did they just yep. were like this was a good scrimmage we're done the capitals seemed to play at second gear until that third goal going went in and then they got pissed then the Capitals woke up for a little while. And, yeah, there's a danger with teams doing this, but they're definitely doing it. Now, you know who won't do it? Tampa won't do that. No. No, you're right. Tampa's a team. They're grooving right now. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about every series uh, on this episode. Let's get to the next point. Number two, 
JVR was scratched from the lineup uh, in, in game two against the Washington Capitals. The top line doesn't, it hasn't really ended up on the score sheet at all. Power play, we know about that. Is there concern for JVR and the top line, conserve one of those or both of those elements? Where are you at with a concern level, Ant? I would say when it comes to the, fr- the first line, I think, you know, I think even to, to Russ's point, while the Bruins and the Caps may have not have, have been at their peak intensity, you knew they wanted to at the minimum take away that top line. Mm-hmm. They, that's the, to them, that was their biggest threat. The thing is now you do have to, that, that is not, that's allowed Hayes, Hayes's unit to flourish. And now that gives Tampa now after two games, like, okay, now we have to game plan this thing even more because now you've got to, you know, we still want to make sure, you know, Couturier and Drew don't hurt us or, or Voracek don't hurt us. But you also got to worry about that. If that second unit is flying around like it was against the Capitals and really mm-hmm. being a factor, that's, a, that's, that's something to be said. JVR is going to be an interesting situation. Um, we knew at, from the practice the previous day when he was rotating in and out on fourth line with Connor Bonneman, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, I was like, is this a one-time message? Does he draw back into the lineup? And then Bonneman played. So it was very obvious. Played that well, too. And he played very well in that role yeah. as well. You know, she's, I think, you know, that's probably the perfect spot for him is, is playing in that fourth line role. Um, JVR, again, the if message has been sent in full here. I mean, if that was a healthy scratch and he did not play. And I mean, you could say, hey, you can couch it and say, well, it's the second game, better we'll have him back in for the Tampa game. Again, if Elaine likes the way the units are running, we'll have to see on that front. But he, he the message has been sent. It's very yeah. obvious. There's that accountability again, Russ, from the yeah. head coach. I mean, he, nobody is safe from accountability. It's, it, that's what it, the way it should be. Yeah, and, and there's no guarantee Vigneault puts him back in. He's not that guy that just benches him and then puts him back in and see what he does. Like, all right, let's see how this works out. Like Ant said, uh, the team played well. And, and honestly – And you get Farabee in there too as a result of him being out. That's the right. other part. And, and honestly, if your team is better – defensively for your forwards and you feel like you're getting scoring from other areas like Scott Lawton and other players, JVR is cooked. I mean, these young guys have like Bunneman. I, I just wrote about Bunneman the other day. He plays such a good physical game. You don't need Bunneman to score. You just need him to possess the puck and cause problems and hold on to the puck and wind down the clock. And he does all those things really well. Farabee, pretty much can put him anywhere. He's going to do a good job. And if you get some points out of him, great. If JVR is not scoring, what's he doing? Yeah, you're right. I, I don't think he needed to shower after the game on Sunday. <laughs> you know, I don't know that he broke – I mean, he just didn't – he looked disinterested out there. And, and, look, maybe some of that is some of these veterans, like the top line, JVR, they've been around a long time. Uh, the, the, the Boston Bruins are a team that has six players over the age of, of 30. You know, they know when to crank it up. The Caps, too. Maybe some of it is that. I don't know. But uh, message sent for sure. And you're, I, I totally agree. I don't know that he draws back in on, right. on Saturday. I really don't. Um, if Farabee can learn to finish, guys, mm-hmm. he gets so many grade-A scoring chances. He just hasn't been able to finish at the NHL level to, to you know, to be able to, to be that guy that's going to pound in, you know, probably 20 goals. Uh, he'll get there. Uh, he will get boy, there. He gets a lot of glorious opportunities by his hockey IQ. Right. His hockey IQ definitely opens things up. But you could see that for the first half of this season, he was just surviving. And mm-hmm. he's doing a little more than that now. But he's still not the Joel Farabee I saw outside of the Flyers and, and playing for the NTDP. He's close. He's got about three quarters of the element. So I don't know. If it pops in during the playoffs, great. It may not. I think it's probably we're at least looking at for at least another year as he fi- he's still, again, physically developing. He adds a few more pounds onto his frame while keeping much of his skill set. I think he will begin to – some of that I think is, is a little bit physical as well. And, again, adding to the mix, uh, again, to me, Farabee and JVR are kind of interchangeable. Bunneman was in, in my mind, for – in the raffle role. He was there to basically yeah, – Straightforward check. Straightforward check. You, yeah. you know what your role is going to be in that circumstance. So that was, an easy, that, that was the, the obvious uh, flop there. But, yeah, this is where – this is key, where if Farabee starts to pot that puck, mm-hmm. JVR is like, okay, how am I going to draw back in? He's, he basically right. becomes almost the Shane Gostaspare of the forward core in this case, where he's yeah. a highly skilled player but has to apply things uh, in order to draw back in. And circumstance may play against that. Yeah, when you got a good team that's winning, coaches don't like to make changes either, mm-hmm. which leads exactly to my next point because it's a great point. You know, Shane Gossespierre is the seventh defenseman. Uh, JVR, does he draw back in? Number three, 
Is this the deepest Flyers team in a couple of decades? And is this team actually on paper better than the 2010 Cup final team? Russ? I don't think it's better than the 2010 team. I know everybody wants to say that, but there is no Chris Pronger. There is no Danny Breer who scored 100 points in 100 playoff games. They're a really good team, but they're not at that level yet. But it is prove the best. It first, right? Yeah, it, it is the best one in at least a decade or more. There's no question about that. I, I look at this, and it depends what you're thinking Shane Gostaspear is as to how deep you think the Flyers are. Now, I do think he might draw back in if their power play keeps continues to, to sputter because it is this power play is not going great. If the power play keeps not going great, that may force Vigneault, especially if they lose some games to put Goss the spear in, if they're winning, even if the power play is not running the way, exactly the way it should, he's not going to draw in. The question's going to be there on the blue line is Vigneault. And I think a lot of teams right now are struggling with their power play, especially oh, no the, the, the ice, the ice is just tired. Yeah. The, the ice is kills. tough. Penalty Two teams has, aren't, and it's Edmonton and Chicago, the only team scoring on the power play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's and, and, and otherwise around the league, it's the one thing that I think takes probably the longest to start to click. And mm-hmm. again, you have two opponents in this case in Edmonton and Chicago where you know there's loosey goosey. They're loosey goosey to begin <laughs> yeah. with. This and is they like, have some Hall of Fame players too. Exactly. And they 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 played deep in the seasons and know how to deal with that. But again, for Philly, um, it's it's gonna be uh, I don't know if Vigneault is going to be keen on, on really messing around too much with his pairs. Um, it all depends on who would draw out in this circumstance. Your top four is pretty much set stock at this point, almost, unless, you know, say one of, say one of Meyer, you say Myers has a really bad game and feels like he needs it to, to send a message, which I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that doesn't well, look like it's coming. That doesn't look like it's coming <laughs> no, at all. No, no, not at all. Then you're down to Braun and Then you're down to Braun and Hay. And they're playing well in the role that they're in. They're, they are. You're your classic third pair. Um, and which of those two guys draw out? I don't think they would be keen to taking out Braun because of his experience. In the, no, yeah, no way. Playoff experience. Yeah, he does not come out. And Haig is, does exactly what you want a year six defenseman to do, which is, you know, as, as good a shutdown as you on other teams, he might be a little higher in, in the defensive pairs. Maybe and he's, he's become the whipping boy. Ant. And I, like, I, like, I want to shake, grab some people and shake them like flyer fans. Like you don't have to have a whipping boy. You know what they, I mean? You know, have, it's, it's a it, psychological thing. I swear it has to be somebody not even getting paid a lot. Like. Part <laughs> of the whipping boy is you got to get when, guys got to get overpaid. He's not when Andrew paid. McDonald left, Somebody had to take that place, and it's unfair, but that seems to be what's happened here. Yeah, and I, I, and I, I hate yeah. that. And I think it, I some people start looking at, at it. You start – and, again, I, I, I apply and use analytics as much as possible. I know Robert Haig may not necessarily be, you know, on certain – some of those on some of those numbers a darling in that respect, but he does so many other things. I he's think a solid player. And, and solid number. He's in, I think he's in, he's in the role. He's in the proper role. He is a absolutely. third parent. And with a veteran. In the NHL. Yeah. And playing with a veteran defenseman. So he's going to play within himself. Ask, you know, Carter Hart or anybody else, you know, when he's in front of them, giving up his body, laying into guys. That, that has a value to that blue line, especially I, when you've got other He's your biggest hitter on guys. the blue line, too. Exactly. He is. But I think yeah. we have to say something because Robert Haig, when, when he first was coming up, uh, I used to have Chris Pryor on our show all the time. We talked about him. He was a power play guy. Yeah. He had a good offensive. shot. He was he an a heavy shot, yeah. Yeah, he was an offensive defenseman that took on a role and now he's sort of played it to perfection. But he started out as an offensive guy. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, before we move to the next question, um, I had Phil on the day after he scored the goal eight seconds in the Bruin game. And I said to Phil, and I said, Phil, all due respect, I know you got a big, heavy slap shot. It's a bomb. And you're willing to take it. He had five shots in the Boston game, led the team in shots on goal. But I said, my God, be honest, Phil, I didn't know you had that, that little snapshot that you wired over the blocker on an off wing uh, across the goalie's body at the top of the circle. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, all due respect, I wasn't expecting you to have that in your bag. That was a goal scorer's goal mm-hmm. from that spot. And he jumps the play in the neutral zone. He's an athlete that I think just came into his body late, I guess, Ross. Well, I mean, all right, so past- if, you, if you remember, I think it's about a year ago now, Jason. We interviewed him at Flyers Camp. Mm-hmm. And while we were two interviewing him. Two years yeah. ago. And while we were interviewing him, he was using the hand grip the whole interview. Yep. The whole interview, he kept switching. He exercised the whole interview. <laughs> yep. And we went 20 <laughs> minutes. I was gassed <laughs> watching him. <laughs> He's doing lunges. <laughs> 
No, but, but he no, did. He did the hand grip the whole time. I'm blown away by that second pair. I mean, I almost go at times like that second pair on the ice is is more dangerous than your top pair because of what well, it's more dynamic, but it's not better defensively yet. Yeah, that's and Provorov is like an offensive lineman to me. If you don't hear right. his name, that's and he made in the in the Washington game several just savvy little plays. He was mm-hmm. so good behind his net with pressure, and he would he just is so his skating is so under control and. We should mention he also ate the glass via Tom Wilson. Yeah, and he got back up. I was stunned by that. that, Does the league look at that hit, by the way? Uh, They they haven't, which they should. They haven't. It's one of those things where I expected that they would have, but there's. I'm sure Chuck has sent that over. I'm sure, but they they seem to have ignored it. But but that was that was a heavy hit, man. Yeah, and stone from behind. Oh yeah, he had no idea. he Later, Cabell got him. He could have been a five. I, I easily could, could I think have this, I honestly yep. think if this was the regular season, he might have got tagged with a five. And if he stayed down, it definitely would have been a five. But he yeah. got back up. Yeah. All Bay Cubell, Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson later. And Wilson was like incredulous about it. I'm like, dude, I know. you do that to everybody. Get over it. Uh, last Flyers question for now. Uh, are the Flyers a bona fide, legit Stanley Cup contender? That's yeah, a hard question in this situation. No, I mean, I think they are. If you're, if you're asking me, can they go like two, three rounds? Yeah, they can. No, no, no. I'm saying. Are they getting to the cup I'm not saying final? are they getting there, but are they a team that you look at and you go, absolutely, this is one of the teams that if they were there, I wouldn't be surprised even a little. No, bit. I wouldn't be shocked if they were there, no. Okay. And? No, wouldn't be surprised at all. Matter of fact, at this point now, the main, to me, I mean, you have to account for all the teams that are playing right now, but – Philly doesn't – I don't think Philly necessarily has any sort of qualms about potentially any opponent with the exception of maybe – with the exception of Tampa because Tampa, I think, can match them depth-wise. Yeah. Tampa's uh, that's got the, depth. That's, that's the one place where, where this game now becomes really interesting. Because and maybe better goaltending. Right. If, and, and they may get better goaltending yeah. again, at, again because of, of, of Vazzy's experience. But I yeah. would say, you know, this makes this, this last game interesting because, again, if oh, yeah. you, know, you don't really have home ice, you still, you know, we don't, we, we don't want to poo-poo last change. Last change. Yeah. Again, we don't want to poo-poo last change. You get the opportunity here to, to match up. But, again, Tampa's that one team where even if you roll, you get the last change out there, their lines are so good to begin with. Yeah. That it, to me, it, it is just, an, it is just yeah, it's pick your poison. Exactly. Yeah, if they get Stamkos back, which they will at some point. They will get him back. But if Tampa Here's, falls, I think I think Philadelphia, yeah, I think Philadelphia's got a real good chance. The path is there. Well, here, here's the thing, too. And if you face Tampa, because you're at least a top two seed, you're not going to get them to a conference final. Right. With the reseed, that, mm-hmm. I, I love the reseed. Please yeah. do that going forward. <laughs> yeah. um, please. Um, and we've been pleading for that for years. All right, question number five. Uh, which team's in more trouble? Penguins, Oilers, neither or both? I'm gonna say I'm still going neither. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're both. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting Russ on that. You think neither are in trouble? I'm going here? neither. Oh, and I have my concerns a little bit with Pittsburgh right now, but especially when you blow a three-one lead like that mm-hmm. to a team that it, you are you should be lights out better than. They've lost have, eight of their last nine playoff games. Yeah, and that is to me a concern. And I again, Crosby has scored, but he hasn't quite. You know, he's had his moment, but he's not. He hasn't dominated again. No, he hasn't dominated. And that's a concern. And and Malcolm's been okay, not not phenomenal. And they they need those guys now to really lean on. Get over thirty year old players. Yeah, they and they. In this round robin. Oh, I'm not. I'm not ready to go there yet for those. No, guys. no, no. I just think. I just don't think that they come in with the intensity level. I'm not saying they're cooked. Oh, my de- I see. my concern. Yeah. I, I am concerned about their defense, though. I will. Say yeah, sure. That. I think Marino's good. I think Latang oh. is still Latang, but I think if Jack Johnson's continuing to get oh, decent minutes, Jack. Yes. I mean, the problem is, I, I think their blue line's a little bit on the slow side, and that goal too. Schultz Goal-tending. hasn't been. Yeah. hasn't been as good as he's been he no. he went on a good run a couple of years ago he's not that same guy right now definitely and Pedersen's okay I think Pedersen's, Pedersen's solid. okay Pedersen's solid but they're not like burnt I don't think that their transition game Montreal killed them on the counter rush in that uh-huh. absolutely killed them here's the thing uh, yeah. Montreal knows they can skate with them now and Montreal is playing loose as a goose they're they by every expert they're not supposed to even be in this mm-hmm. right and now they know that they can beat the Penguins and not have to beat them because Carey Price is 2015 Carey Price MVP yeah. and Vesna winner. They know they can beat them. Right. I mean, they, they know they can play with them. And you see these – like you see Nick Suzuki, Kakaniemi, some of these young guys, and they're just out there flying. 
And now that they know that and they're playing so loose and there's every, there's so much pressure on the Penguins, right? There is, um, but you know what the thing it is about, about Chicago? I would say I'm worried about Edmonton, but I do feel, and I watched this last game that Crawford was running on fumes in that game. Like it's no tough. Camp. He, he hasn't, he had no camp. He's coming off of COVID. He looked like on that goal from McDavid, he just he had a hard time getting up. He stayed down a few extra seconds. Yeah. He was tired. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Edmonton, I, I, have my, I have Edmonton winning this series, but I think it's, it's I, I still say it's, it's going to be a five-gamer. I, oh, yeah. I said that from jump. Um, the concern is they need to, the goaltending needs to – the goaltending definitely needs to be better. They, yeah. again, need to tighten things up defensively, especially when, they're, when the opportunity presents themselves. They need to call again. Bill Ranford or something. Well, here's the deal, too, guys. They have games four and game five back-to-back. Now, neither of these teams probably – Edmonton more so is in a position to, to run their goalie, uh, to, to maybe switch and go to Mike Smith. They could switch have to. if they but had to, yeah. I wouldn't feel good about it, but uh, the Blackhawks are not in that position. No, they're not. I mean, it, That's it's That's where I Crawford. think they're going to get hurt. They have, to, they have to close it out this game, or I think yeah. they're in trouble. It's got to be all Kane and Taves in this next game. And, yes. I mean, look at some of the young players, too, like Kirby Dock and – I mean, Kubalik yeah, is been amazing. He's been, Dude, I mean, the recoil that they did is going to be, the they're going to be right back in the mix. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I, I have a little bit more concern. I mean, I have a little more concern for Pittsburgh right now, by the, just the way they lost that game yeah. concerns me, but again, they can draw on a vast reservoir of, uh, of experience there and, they can just kind of hold serve. And I, again, we need to see who's in net at this point. Now they have not right. made an announcement yet as to who. Not yet. Not they got to go Murray Jari. I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know. It depends. I think they do. I, I, if I was Sullivan, I would, because mm-hmm. I have my concerns about Murray, but I would say uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he, again, if he goes Murray again, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I think he, I think he, if he watched the Columbus game last night, he goes with Jari. Right. Because of what Torts did. By the way, Torts is a, Fucking genius. Jari starting. Eric Engels just posted it. So oh, is he good? Okay. Jari Mike starting. Sullivan announced it. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, All right. Well, that could be the changeup they need. But we'll, we'll get to Columbus in a minute um, because I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, number six, boy, the Rangers look like shit on a stick, right? Um, <laughs> is that on them or was that Carolina just being a really dangerous team? It's a um, mixture. I mean, Carolina yeah. played their game. Brenda Moore had them ready from from the jump in every game. They were ready, and David Quinn didn't seem to have his guys quite ready. Uh, there were so many things. Zabanajad was out of position on the power play. They put Zabanajad and, and Panarin together on a line. I didn't like that. That made it easier to defend in my eyes. Uh, Panarin really didn't do well at all. I mean, one goal no. like that's you know, you, he's got to do better. Goaltending was fine. They didn't lose that series because of goaltending. They lost that series because their defense isn't good. Their defense hasn't been good all year, but the fact that they were scoring a lot of goals and Shesterkin was playing out of his mind, it definitely covered that up. End of the day, Carolina still has great centers and a great defense, and if they just get okay goaltending, they're a dangerous team. How about the balls on them and Brendan Moore Ant to go from Morosic to Reimer in that yeah. situation? That you, tells you, you got them down, but – you still that, want to that put tells note. me that Brendan Moore was pretty darn confident that he is to, he, he just reading everything and, and watching how his teams were matching up. They, I don't want to use the phrase they own the Rangers, but they really did. I think they were ultimately confident and they felt that, you know, if you've got three cracks at the can to finish off the series, let's put in Reimer and see how he does. And I thought Reimer did a great job. It was one of his he better was performances. Awesome. It was yeah. a tremendous one performance thing, out of Reimer. One thing, Jason, that the NHL did not provide for the Rangers – and I realized it today when I was like mowing the lawn, there was never a pot band sucks chant. They didn't include that. <laughs> Got to get that in. <laughs> they should have gotten that in. Bad job, <laughs> NHL. Uh, yeah, well, the Rangers, bright, bright uh, times are ahead for them, but they're just maybe They not still have ready contract yet. issues, though. They do. Yeah. And look, they're going to have that 12.5% chance to land uh, Alex Lafreniere as well. And that would be very interesting heading to Broadway. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, they, they were in there for – Four days, three games, four days. Pack your shit, boys. Get out. Yeah. Um, number seven, is it over for Lundqvist and the King in New York? Where's maybe some potential landing spots for Lundqvist with one year on his deal left? Everybody seems to think, and Larry Brooks, Brooks uh, intimated to it too, that that may be in the last of the King in New York, watching that sad shot of him sitting on, uh, on the bench as the, the clock ticked down and Shesterkin was in there. Ant, what do you think? Is he done there? 
think so. Uh, they have to make a decision going forward here. Um, and again, they're not at the point right now where I think they would get good return on a uh, Alexander Georgiev trade. Uh, I think teams know that if, if they are committed to keeping Lundqvist there, that's my biggest concern. I think if you're New York, you want to have a good one-two punch in net going forward. And I just – Hank had, I thought, overall a solid series, but there were some goals that were unHank-like. In game two. Uh, game two specifically, yeah. where they were they were roofing him a blocker side that he normally would have covered. So My cap puts them in a really tough spot here to mm-hmm. move Hank, though, on yeah. one year. Yeah. He does. Think- I don't think he's going to get moved. I really do think he's going to retire. I thought that for a couple of years. I watched really? him at the end. I do feel like he, he, he got might choked go to, up. He might go to Sweden to finish yeah, out. That's the way I, I think always he might felt. play with his brother. His brother, I yeah. think, is coming. Joel's coming down to the last year, yeah. I think, of his career as well. I could see them. I could see him playing over in the SHL, retiring from the NHL and playing one more year. That's the, that's the vibe I've always gotten from him. Yeah, What's the cap hit situation in that, Russ? It's like eight and a half. So they got to still eat that. No, cap they don't have to eat it. No, so no, no, it, no. it he, goes away if you retire. It goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that would probably be the best thing for the Rangers. Although they'd like to get something for him, but I don't think there's much there in the trade. He market signed that, that before he was 35. That's why. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, number eight, the uh, the Florida Islander series. That may be the most boring series I've watched in <laughs> hockey in 20 years, um, <laughs> since they removed the red line. Uh, who takes this series? Uh, a lot of people were getting a little bullish on Florida. But the Isles and Barry Trotz, and you guys know what he does. He just locks it down defensively. They're not going to fly up and down the ice. Who wins that series out of the Isles in Florida? Can Florida come back at down two games to I one? I don't think so. Um, I actually had, when I originally did my picks, I had the Islanders in three. Wow. I, I did not like the matchup for them at all. Florida, they finally got their offense loose in, the, in game three. So, But I, I expect the Isles will I, – I think the Isles will close them out. I agree. I just, I never, yeah, it's been a little better, though. Bob's been better. Yeah, no it's Bob's not the read. Yeah, Bob. No. Bob didn't look mm-hmm. good in game one, but he looked better in game two and certainly in game three. Bob, I don't think is again not the reason why that team is going to lose that series. It's they just I don't their defense is awful. Their defense is awful. I mean, Mike, Math- Mike Matheson gets entirely too many minutes, but they don't have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Their their defense stinks. They have a couple of guys who could score. The Islanders actually, I think, again, a lot of times because of injury. I think getting Boychuk out and Andy Green in hasn't helped the puck movement and the passing. And Andy Green has a little bit more offense than Boychuk has at this point. And I think that's going to help the Islanders. It's already helped a little bit. He scored a goal. You know, he had a nice headman pass in the last game. I think that's at least going to help the offense a little. But, you know, if I were Barry Trotz, I would just let Barzell loose a little bit. Just, But they're going to win. He won't. won't. (laughs) And Barzell's getting an offer sheet. So just so you know, Russ. Uh, number nine, and number nine, and and this is a two-parter because this is really intriguing stuff. Not only because it's Toronto who's involved, and I know the people in Toronto today are having a meltdown. They're going to the churches to light candles. Uh, number nine, Columbus was down three nothing in Game Three. They came back tied at Leafs. Pierre Luc Dubois wins it with the Hattie. Uh, Torts berated him the game before on the bench, and you sent it to me. Um, just went after him like crazy mm-hmm. to motivate him. And some players, you know you can do that too, and it does motivate them. So question A, a subset of this is just how good of a coach is Torres. Some believe it's, it's all bluster and bully and, and, and act, but the, the results speak otherwise. The guy gets a lot out of players and knows how to push the buttons both it, it, behind the scenes and publicly. Yeah. Russ? Would, yeah, I'll just say this. Torts is an excellent coach, but you still have to know the right guy to do it to. You do it to the wrong guy, you could lose that guy. Dubois is a very humble kid who does listen to instruction well. Remember, when he was drafted, people killed Columbus. They are like, oh, my God, how could you take him third? And yada, yada, he's never going to be a center. And I, I was on air. I didn't kill that because I know the kind of work ethic this kid has. He actually, like Myers, he is another workout fiend. And – He's just a guy that wasn't exactly playing his game. Torch jolted him a little bit, and now he is. So I just think you have to be the right guy to do it to him. Yeah. Reminds me a little bit of the relationship that he kind of had, although Vinny LeCavie a little bit more outspoken. But, again, he, he knew it. But, again, as you stated, he knows those buttons to push with certain players, who can get pushed yeah. and who you have to kind of back off in order. And John, I think, has evolved over the years. Totally. Um, so I think I think certainly the Vancouver situation kind of really – after what happened in Vancouver, um, and then he lost his. That was humbling there. for him. That humbled him and opened, I think, 
opened things up to having a little bit more of a modulated approach. For he didn't get nicer, but it humbled him. No, but I think he, he knows, he knows he doesn't have to throw fastballs. He can throw a slider. He can throw a curveball yeah. here. And he doesn't have to fight anymore. He can be a little bit of a boxer too. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. And I, again, I think John is, and he's also, you know, for people who wouldn't think he's also very open, he, anything that he can use to give himself an advantage, whether it's, you know, using advanced analytics or giving someone a boot in the rear end, he's going to use it. That's how John is. He's going to, whatever it is I can gain, especially when he knows going into pretty much every series with the exception of maybe his, some of his blue line talent, he's going to be at a talent deficit with the jackets versus some of the other teams he's going to be playing in these. So he can harp on that from a psychological standpoint to get yep. the team to play at a higher level than you would think they normally would. Most of us all thought that Columbus was going to not even be anywhere in, sniff, in, in, in close to sniffing distance of the playoffs this year after all the talent that they lost. Yeah, it's exactly why um, he, he is a Jack Adams finalist again. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the league's better when he's in it, by the way. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, yeah. we all love it. Whether you love to hate him. Look, I, there's plenty of things that John does that I just hate. And, but, you know, there's things that you look at and you say, got to give it to the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Does Columbus finish off the Leafs and uh, perhaps go on a run? Up two games to one in the best of five? I think so. But the Leafs, um, you know, after losing that three-goal game, maybe they'll come back with another, hey, we're going to dig deep for this one. And so I think no it's going to go – You know, I know. But they're, if they're worth anything, they're going to have to dig deep and find something – to beat them one more game, but I don't think they could take the series. All their worth point. is on. I also think paper. we're looking at playoff Freddie. Playoff Freddie Anderson is not good enough, and I'm telling Leafs Nation, I understand you get lulled into this. Hey, he's a real good regular season goalie, and he gets overplayed, and that's all true. But in the playoffs, he never makes the huge stop. Even look, I get it. Their defense isn't great. I get it. But once in a while, you have to make that huge stop, and I never see Anderson do it. And do they finish him off? And is it Elvis? Got to go Elvis next game. I think they fit. Um, I have 21 saves, again, 21 I, I shots. Did have, I did have the Jackets winning this thing, I believe. I think I added in, I'm pretty sure I had it in five. So I could see Toronto squeezing one more out. But I do think they go with Elvis now. I think they, he, they, they got on a really good rhythm. And the thing was about that game last night was, and, and, and Travis Green, and not Travis Green, uh, <laughs> oh, Toronto, Keith, Sheldon Keith. Sheldon Keith. Sheldon Keith said it last night. He, he at one nothing, two nothing, three nothing. He didn't feel good at all about how Toronto was playing. It was like yeah, they were yeah. fortunate to be ahead, yeah. and that Columbus was beating them. And ultimately, I think Columbus will close them. It's just a bad. I just don't think it's a good matchup at all for uh, for the Leafs. All right, so the Leafs fans will be able to say that their team did make the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs. That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they didn't lose to Boston. There yeah, you that's go. Good. That's progress, but they right? But they would have. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, you may be right. Uh, which leads us right to uh, our East Round Robin number 10. Are the Bruins a team that can do what is very hard to do in sports, guys? And that's flip the switch and ratchet up the intensity. We saw uh, Tampa last year not be able to do that after kind of just playing out the string with such a huge lead for the President's Trophy. Is the six players over 30 years of age a factor? Is this a Boston team that can get its feet under them, Russ? Yeah, I think so. I I think I've watched this team enough to, to believe that. I also saw that Rask was sort of working on things and wasn't maybe as Rask-like as he would normally be his last game. He's good, but he, he wasn't as tight as he could be. And, and I think that's because he has That's not working played. on things. Well, I that's mean. That's just not being tight. Okay. I mean, however you want to put it, he hasn't played a lot. Yeah. So, but I'm not worried about him. He's not like a pitcher in spring training. I'm going to work on my cutter. No, and I'll no, give up a but couple. I mean, I think. Sometimes you can see guys working on their post work. I think you could see some guys, you know, maybe if there is a little concern from what carried over from the regular season, it's kind of what I meant. Okay. And my, read on, my read on Boston is um, I think Cassidy has every reason to be, to, to, to have been as angry as he was after that first game against Philly. Um, I still think there are areas of concern for the Bruins right now. Again, the, the, as we said, the, it, it, it is tough sometimes to, to flip that switch. Uh, and immediately go into mode. That being said, if any team can do it, it's the Bruins. Um, and again, they've been at it long enough. But again, you're right. They have had deep postseason runs. They got all the way to game seven last year. And, you know, and starting things up after a four-month break, 
Sometimes, again, you're trying to pace yourself, but you have to be careful. There's a fine line between doing that and suddenly finding yourself down 0-2 in a series that really counts. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, one more for Russ, and then he's got to get out of here, and Ant and I will finish. Um, Russ, the Caps, um, they were becoming a kind of a sexy pick for a lot of people because people were kind of overlooking them to some extent. Are they lacking something? Is Hopey the guy still that can take you on that run? Um, you remember when they won the cup back in 2018, he didn't start the playoffs and came in and then went right. on a heater. Um, or is this just a lack of urgency or something even deeper when it comes to the caps and how they've looked kind of in this, this round Robin as well. So I think with them, it's complicated. I think there's like three things. I don't think Todd Reardon's good. I think that's one thing. Definitely. I don't think you should ever put Ilya Kovalchuk on a line with Alex Ovechkin. It's awful. It's clunky. It, it, it made no sense. Like it took Ovi completely out of his game because Kovalchuk, I don't know. He, he sort of played that game against the Flyers like he was a linebacker and not a finesse player. So to me, that was a bad thing to do. Holpe seems to have gotten a little better each game. So I don't think Holpe was the reason they lost against the Flyers. And the other thing was, and we saw this regular season, the Caps have had these games where they have trouble locking in all at the same time. Now, I had the sound off for a little while, so I don't think I saw Carlson play, right? Is that right? Carlson was not. Okay. I mean, you put Carlson in. Kudis came a, in. <laughs> right. It helps a little bit. But, and Lars Eller was out of the bubble because he was having, you know, his wife was having a kid. Not excuses. They, they have a, a focus problem. And I don't love Tard Reardon. And I think he's part of the problem. And we'll see if it gets cured or not because it, it's possible it doesn't. Yeah. And Kudis was the reason why the Flyers scored the first goal. He had a horrific yeah. giveaway in the corner. And full marks to Kevin Hayes for that backhand pass to to Travis Konechny, who spun it to, to Lawton, who just buried it. And it was funny because somebody tweeted me, Brian Smith uh, from the Flyers tweeted me and said, is this RVH when Holpe was literally sitting on his ass? <laughs> I'm like, no, that is not RVH. That's RVH. Definitely buddy. not RVH. That's for Brian. reverse vertical butt. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> RVB, exactly. Yeah, he, he tried to push back and he just fell right on his butt like I would do in a beer league when uh, uh, some good players yeah. are out there. But yeah. uh, what do you think about the Caps? Is, is this still, still a team to be feared? I, if they click, if, if they start clicking, yes. But they I were might physical. Be, they were physical. They love to hit. But again, two hits. But sometimes hitting it is what you, that happens when you're chasing the game. And the high hit count to me is, again, Philly, that tells me in many ways that Philadelphia was outskating them in most circumstances, really kind of just kind of turning it, just frustrating them defensively as well. I just have my concern. I said this at the start of the playoffs. I have my concern about their depth on their blue line um, after Carlson, um, having Gudis out there on a regular shift. Um, I just don't, again, I think Philly probably had the best of Rad, Radko Gudis in terms of his, in terms of level of defensive play. Always good in the neutral zone, never, never that great in his own end, uh, with the exception of one season where he was, where I, where I, where I thought he had a pretty good job in his own end. But I, I don't think the, I'm, they'll, you know, I, I, I really do have my concerns about the Caps going deep this year. I really do. Yeah, I do too. Um, number 12, and uh, Russ has dropped off. He's got other commitments. And obviously this one's not that important to him. I kid. Uh, number 12. Um, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, but the lightning look very good. Um, Braden Point, boy, the game that he came back with, we know he's a good player, but geez, he has been unbelievable. Kucherov is just uh, the deadline deals with Barkley Goudreau, and they bring in Mont. I mean, they bring in uh, some talent to make them give them a little bit more sandpaper. This may be the last chance for this this group, you know, to get it done because of the flat cap. And even if a rising cap was coming, they had to make some really tough decisions. Um, are they the favorite in the East? And if so, who's the biggest challenger? I think they're the favorite in the East. They just have an overwhelming amount of depth at just about every position. Um, I would, again, you, they can pretty much match up with any, I think they, personnel-wise, they can match up with any team in the league. Um, I think the teams that concern them probably the most uh, is Philadelphia. And if Boston clicks, the Bruins probably. Columbus, I, again, I think they, they can they, they can overwhelm Columbus. That'll, that'll be a tough, a tough out because again they've got the defensive depth to handle it, whereas Toronto I don't think has. And the revenge factor from what happened last. Exactly, year. they have that. I mean, yeah. they, they can they can they can tamp that down as much as they want to. So, well, we're trying to write a new story this year. That doesn't mean you forgot the last chapter and how that, that how, and and yeah. what kind of a horror show that was for you. And that to me has always been sort of the big motivating factor behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
in that they, if they get deep this year, it's going to be, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be a handful for anybody they play. The, the embarrassment of what happened in the first round last year, I think, changed the way they play. They're much more defensively responsible this year. Last year, it, they had 128 points. They just ran up and down the ice, pond hockey, and just outscored teams because they were so elite offensively. Defensively, they gave up a lot, though, but you don't see that nearly to the same extent you did the year before. So, And that's playoff hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, number 13, as we move to the Western Conference, um, one of the big storylines, and, and maybe it was a, a, obviously a big effect on the Calgary-Winnipeg series, was – um, the, the hit that happened on Shifley and the fact that he got injured. Now, a lot of people, you know, Matthew Kachuk has earned a reputation already as a young player in this league, as a guy who plays on, over the line or on the line. Paul Maurice thought uh, what happened to Shifley was intentional. He called it disgusting. Uh, but more importantly, how dangerous are the Flames? And, you know, when you look at that Matthew Kachuk situation, how did you see that, that play? I, I saw it as a hockey play. There's no way in real speed that yeah. he did that intentionally, but – uh, how did you if, see it? I think if it's anybody, if it's Johnny Gaudreau going in there, I don't think we had the same. Uh, <laughs> we had not the even same, a conversation. Not even a conversation about it. I think it was a hockey play. He came in. I think Maurice was trying. To, it, that was as much of a message to get his mm -hmm. to get his guys really, really going. I think, but especially if you lose him and Line A. The one advantage Winnipeg had in that whole series was the fact that they they had offensive talent that was I think overall offensive talent that was better, but their blue line is awful. Their blue line was just lost way too thin. I mean, I mean, Neil Pionk had a great year. But, again, when Neil Pionk's one of your top defensemen, you got concerns there. And you can only ask Connor Hellebuck to do so much to hold you in games. But the Flames, again, I think they were the recipient of not having to deal with Shifley, not having to deal with Line as extensively. And the rest of those players just for Winnipeg, uh, for Winnipeg just didn't step up. And the Jets had enough depth. And, again, Matt Kachuk was always an X factor for this series. You have to keep your head on a swivel with Kachuk. We know, uh, we still remember from several years back, he and Travis Konechny and Ivan Provrov going at it in a game, and there was no shortage of, uh, from the old London Knights, uh, Sarnia, you know, Sarnia matchups back in the OHL. Sorry if I pulled a uh, Pierre Maguire here, but I'm going to pull it in. <laughs> where do you go uh, to high school? <laughs> yeah, where do you go to high school? Exactly. So, yeah, Max and X, Matt's an X factor, and they've got enough depth, I think, that Calgary could. I think Calgary, it, they got past this series. It all depends on who they are matched up with in the next round, because I think the top three, if, if it's any one of those top three teams in the, in the West, if it's one of uh, Vegas, one of um, St. Louis, St. Louis Colorado. or Colorado, I don't think they can win that series. Maybe that, Dallas, yeah. Dallas is a possibility uh, in that respect, but I think they're probably this this is potentially as far as they go. And then we also have to give kudos as well to former Flyer goaltender Cam Talbot. Thought he did a great job in this yeah. series uh, for the most part um, in, in helping them to win that series. Uh, number 14, and we kind of talked about it before, the Oilers are down 2-1, like the Pens, that 5 versus 12. Um, the Blackhawks have some great young players to go along with Kane, Keith, Taves, Doc, Kubalik, uh, some really good players. Um, it probably wouldn't be a huge upset at this point. Um, you don't think you, you think that Edmonton's in more trouble uh, than Pittsburgh, right? Uh, no, actually, I think Edmonton. The other way. I think it's the other way. I think I'm a little bit more concerned because of the way Pittsburgh lost that third game. Okay. I, again, versus this Edmonton, this Edmonton Chicago series has a lot of the whiff of that 2012 Flyers Penguin series where it was just, you know, it just, it just gets wild and wooly and it's been that way for three games and will probably remain that way when you have question marks and net and Crawford and Smith and, uh, and Toskinen in that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's one, I, it's not, it's very tough to predict. I had the Oilers winning this series. I still do, but it's not a strong recommendation the way this series has gone. Yeah, I wouldn't wow. like playing against that team with that leadership of Taves, guys that have in, won In a fifth cups. game, it's going to be tough. I think yeah, it, it, if it does it. get to a fifth game, Edmonton really has to do – it can't be a while. They, they, have to, they have to show – you know, their coach is known to be a really good defensive mind, Dave Tippett. Yeah. That team's got to show it in game four for me to feel confident enough to say, hey, they can, this can roll over to – to game five and Edmonton can win this and Edmonton can win this series, but it's not a, a strong recommendation. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Tip was a guy that could have been a Jack Adams finalist. Um, did a good job out there with, with the Edmonton Oilers this year. And, and, and ultimately it's going to come down to McDavid and dry 
and they're going to have to just take over. And they both can. <laughs> uh, number 15, the Preds and Coyotes. This is almost a little bit like the Isles and uh, Florida series. It's kind of lackluster in name, but, you know, Rick Tockett's out there. Is he going to get his first series win? All while the distraction of Chica abandoning the team uh, and leaving right before they left for the bubble. Do you think uh, the Coyotes get it done over the Preds? I, I do like the Coyotes in this series. I just don't believe in the Predators. I made the cardinal sin of watching a pair of exhibition games. And I, up until oh, those exhibition days, <laughs> up until those exhibition games, I was absolutely to my bones convinced that the Arizona Coyotes were going to beat the National Predators in this series. And then the Coyotes looked out of sorts in their game, whereas Nashville, with all that talent, looked like they were clicking. And I went from going Arizona in five to Nashville in five mm. and now watching as this series and again the biggest key to me is was coming down to the to the guys in net again you have Soros versus Kemper and Kemper looks slow to start and has had some some bonehead and, and, and game two specifically it did not look great on uh, on one of the goals I believe it would have been Johansson's goal he looked awful on yeah. so if Kemper is locked in, I think he's the better. I, I, I like Soros a lot, but I think if Kemper's in, that Arizona draws more from what from when he's performing well. I think they had the better. I do think, even though talent-wise, Nashville's got a lot of good talent on their blue line. Um, something about Arizona's comportment, how they're set up, I really do like. And now that it's two-one, I think Nashville can even it up. But again, it's one of those things where I think Arizona—it's it, anybody's series—and. I think Arizona has a good chance of winning it. So. Yeah, I think that Ronta was supposed to go in the one game, but got drilled in the dome mm -hmm. in warm-ups and had to come yep. out. So they went to Kemper again and yeah. had to bring in, you know, going to their goalie depth chart. Yeah, it was Aiden Hill, I think, was their backup for that game. Yep. So exactly. they don't have Ronta. It, gives them, it makes things tougher. And Kemper's got to, you know, physically kind of handle that load. And that's going to be interesting. That's a factor to keep in mind here. Yeah. And the other thing too, is now you're dealing with goalies in back-to-back -back playoff games. You just, mm -hmm. that's something we never see. Obviously this is unique. Uh, number 16, Ant, boy, I, I love this series, by the way, the Canuck series has been a lot of fun for me. Um, mm -hmm. they, they win uh, game three. Um, they're up two games to one. Uh, Markstrom with a 27 save shutout. Quinn Hughes, how about three apples? Boom. Elias Pettersson finally got on the board, and they're all over Elias Pettersson. Um, could, could they be a sleeper team? I think they win this series, but could they be a sleeper team that's not in the top four uh, in, the, in the West? I, I think they're a team that might be able to, to do something because I think the pause was really good for some young players like Quinn Hughes um, to kind of get away mentally, physically, recharge a little bit, um, and he's a dynamic talent. And Markstrom, to me, was one of the – you know, I think he should have been a Vesna finalist. He, he was one of the best goalies in the league. He missed a little bit of time. But um, to me, that's a team that I, I say maybe they can make a little noise, not go to a cup, but maybe they can win a round or even maybe get to a conference final. Well, now that they've have figured out Minnesota, that my biggest concern coming into the series for them was matchup issues. I think Minnesota was really rolling well going into the, going into the, uh, yeah. the pause. And the first game, it was a classic Minnesota game. I mean, they just they, – they, they put the clamps on, on them in the first game. But now they've kind of allowed Hughes and Pedersen to get loose here. Look and out. And once that cat's out of the bag and you don't quite have the, uh, the horses to offensively to go with them, it's going to be tough. Minnesota's going to have to really have to – you know, they're going to have to really lock things down. Evanson's really going to have to make some adjustments here. And, 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 and once again, get it back to where things were in game one for them to win this series. Point about the Canucks, I feel the same way that, again, the top end of the West, those three teams out West, if they're in a matchup with any of those teams, I don't – they just – those other teams, I just think, have the depth to put them – to defeat them. Yeah. I, just, I think they may be good for this series, uh, and they might, depending on who they match up with in the, first, in the round of 16, but – once we get down to eight, if they're one of the teams remaining in the, in the final uh, eight, it's going to be tough for me to see them advancing deep. That being said, I've been very impressed. As you said, I've been very impressed with Markstrom's performance so far. He really yeah. has been impressive in that. Yeah, he's a good goalie, no doubt. And he's doing it for money right now, too. It's a contract year. Um, let's hit the round robin real quick in the West. Mm -hmm. The Blues, uh, the Dallas Stars, and the Avalanche in Vegas are the four teams. Vegas got the win, uh, came back in that game, got the win over the Blues. Um, the Blues are – they lose a point one on the clock when Kadri scores that goal. They blow the lead to Vegas. Um, it, it, could they 
are they a legit opportunity to repeat? I feel I like think, something's missing there too. I mean, maybe we're looking too much into this. I with think these round so. Robins. I, th- yeah. I think so with the round robin. They, they're competitive. They were good. They were yeah. good. I think their first game, there was some concerns there. I know I was watching uh, Bruby's press conference and saying it, it was more to me. It, it felt that, that that Vegas game was to me just a, a, a back and forth slug fest. I think he was chief was probably more concerned about his, uh, how they looked against Colorado in the first game mm-hmm. uh, more than anything. I can't, I think, I'm not as concerned about the Blues in the certainly in the first series. When we get into again, once again into the final eight, and we get to see again, they they had a deep playoff run last year. Everybody knows they're coming. Are they capable of repeating? The answer is yes. Are they going to? It's you're not sneaking up on anybody this time. Yeah. But they had the personnel to do it. They got the goaltender. They got certainly had the defensive depth. Um, and again, this may be Alex Peter Angelo's final run with them. So that's the other thing that you have to keep Good in mind point. as well. That could be a motivating factor as well. If he's not going to be back. Where are, you, where are you on Dallas? I feel like I have no feel for that team. I, I'm not feeling good about them right now. And yeah. I've certainly, I've been following along with uh, Sean Shapiro from the athletic who I had is a pretty good thumb on, on the stars. And he doesn't seem particularly confident about, them. I just don't like the way they're playing. Yeah. And, again, it's, they, they don't have the cachet to lollygag through this thing. A lot of people look at them and, and, and say, yeah, they, their defense has imp- improved tremendously. they got really good defense, talent. There just seems to be a lack of – I don't want to use the phrase lack of engagement, but if they're just sitting spinning their wheels, they're going to get cooked real fast if, that, if this stays this way. Well, for them. Let's face it. They've, they've been a team that's lacked engagement at points in regular seasons before, so much mm-hmm. so that the president called everybody and their uncle out on that team. Yeah. Um, the, the Avs and uh, Vegas, um, you got the Avs as the, as, as the favorite right now. They're, Vegas has them as the cup odds, the, the best chances to win the cup. I think that's a little premature, uh, although I love the team. They got a ton of talent, but they got a lot of youth there too. I mean, Cal McCarr is a young player. Sometimes you got to get pretty far before you win, and they don't have a lot of that, Ant. And the goaltending for them is a little bit of a question mark for me as well. There's some question marks, no question, but I do think I like, I really have liked the way they've played. They much, I've been probably impressed with the way they've executed in a similar manner to the way I've been impressed with Philadelphia. They are in that, that is a team that looks motivated and engaged. And I think we have to look at Jared Bednar and, and, and the job that he's done getting those guys buying in. They are young, but it's sometimes in this unique environment um, that, of what we're seeing with, with the bubble, you know, they can overwhelm teams with their offensive depth. Speed. I've been impressed. Speed. cadre has mm. been a great addition for oh, them. That's, that's, created, that's created huge matchup uh, issues, I think, uh, in, in most circumstances. And when he's engaged and not running around like he, like he was against Boston, like, you know, the chicken without a head, when he's engaged, he's an out. He's a dynamic player. And you look at that and, and McKinnon, who, who can you tell me in the league other than Connor McDavid can, can, can do what he does offensively. He is play at that speed at that speed and make <laughs> yeah. those decisions and, and being able, he's, he's such an incredible initiator there. Again, they are, I, I love, I love them in, in this, in this postseason. I, I think they have a chance of being right there in the final. I'm, I'm right there with Vegas on that. I re, with the, uh, with the odds makers that they are a team that I think as long as they get good, good enough goaltending, they can win. They, they can go pretty far in this. Yeah. They're, they're certainly a team that everybody's going to be looking at uh, a couple random questions for you at number 19. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts on the game quality so far, all said and done from the, you know, the play in series, the best of fives, the, the round robins, the game presentation, how it's looked on your television at home uh, with the, you know, piped in crowd noise, hockey from noon to one thirty in the morning, pretty much every day. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on how everything's kind of looked and how they're presenting these games to, to the hockey fans that were starving for it? I think they're doing as good as they possibly can considering the circumstances. I think yeah. the setup is really good. Um, it, it, it took the first few games to get used to, the sight lines, the tarps being out on the ice, but I think the presentation of it's really good. The one thing I do want to see going into the next round, I need to have a look. If you're going to simulate a home ice advantage, having the, the, the goal music and everything from the road team play, I know what they're trying to do here, but it's not, it takes away from a potential, the idea of, of, of simulating a home ice advantage. Yeah, like have a boo. It, 
exactly the home team gets scored I, on, yeah. exactly the other if there's a boo i mean it, it, the very least have that and it's just that's the only thing that i look at in the presentation that i kind of look at the league and say if there's going to be legit home ice advantage and you're feeling like you're, you're going to be putting the effort out especially in the round robin series to ensure the top seed make it feel like somehow some way that it is a home ice thing i think i remember it was justin williams uh i think said it himself that you know, he didn't expect to hear the Rangers' goal song after they scored. When he's like, "Hey, I thought we were the home, we were the home ice yeah. team," and it, it does create a bit of a weird effect that you know they're pro athletes and they'll, they'll readjust. But that's the only real element of this whole presentation where I'm kind of lukewarm on. I got an Whatever. idea. You know, like the bubble hockey game, what bubble hockey? What a, what a term, right? Um, and you have the boo button <laughs> on your side. You can hit the so to give the GMs a boo button. So they could sit up there and hit the boo button like on bubble hockey. <laughs> I think that would be cool. I'm trying to think of the general manager should be hammering that thing as much as possible. Oh. Lou Lamarillo will probably be hammering it with it. Well, though Lou's, you know, maybe not. But uh, <laughs> there's, there's a few. If it was, you know, back in the day, if, if uh, you know, if Ed Snyder was around, he'd probably have his foot stepped on that boo button as hard oh. as possible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as the owner, so. Um, but overall, I've been impressed. Overall, just to, just to say, yeah, I, I, have, I have for the most part been very impressed with how this is all laid out. So hockey basically noon to, to 1.30 a.m. every night. Um, should the NHL consider kind of doing – maybe not to this extent with 24 teams, and you're going to have 32 teams in the league. Look, there was this league was 20 teams and 22 teams at one time, and 16 of them made the playoffs. You know, And the old joke was everybody makes the playoffs in the NHL. And they were almost right. Um, but should the NHL consider an expansion of the playoffs to have a week, maybe not with 24 teams, but at least a couple play-in rounds to uh, be able to provide a week of hockey from noon until uh, midnight every day? Because this I, is really cool. Staggered I, games and everything. I would say that, and Pierre Lebrun has certainly mentioned this, the back, of, of expanding the conference fields to 10 mm -hmm. and then having basically a 7-10, 8-9, and basically kind of figure things out from there and then have those series, however long or short you want to kind of make those to determine the last two seeds in each conference before yeah. you go in and at least do that way and have that as, you know, maybe a noon one o'clock, two o'clock game. And then one in the, you know, and, and kind of work it that way. I think at 32, yeah, now you're officially at, at a split. I'm for it, especially the amount of teams. I, I'm fine with that. I think about you got to do something to slightly expand it, have play in something to do yeah, it. Yeah, but I think ten. I think I think if you take it to ten, it still maintains a it still maintains a legitimacy. I don't agree with Barry Trop saying, "Oh, we should go to 24." No, I, that's I too many. I think this is a I think this is a very unique circumstance. Uh, most coaches will be like, "Yeah, make it 24." They'll feel yeah. even better about it then because you can always see a player appearance and social yeah. security, but. Now, I think at the at the most you go to ten teams per conference. That's yeah. that my opinion. It, it, to still keep this whole feeling that you're watching, uh, that we're all seeing right now, going forward. Yeah, it'll create more storylines down the stretch for mm -hmm. teams, and uh, certainly would be, be very interesting as well. Um, one thing they do need to do is keep the reseeding. Reseeding should be going Agreed. forward. No more brackets. Agreed. You know, I, I want the two best teams potentially to face each other in a conference final to go to a cup final. Um, last question, number 20. After a week of playoff hockey, this is a two-parter. Uh, a, who are your two teams in the cup finals? And who is the Conn Smythe winner from each of those teams sh should they win the cup? Okay. I am – it's going to sound like chalk, but I'm going to say – McKinnon and Colorado. I <laughs> – I have uh, Colorado coming out of the West and I have, and I have Tampa Bay coming out of the East. And I just feel like Tampa is, this is it. I mean, this, they, they have to get this done. I'm going to say we get a really good performance out of Andre Vasilevsky. We get a goalie con Smythe. Okay. That's certainly a possibility with that team. Mm -hmm. uh, I, if I was going with Tampa, I would say Braden point. Uh, mm -hmm. I just think he's playing at such an elite level right now, and this is going to be the coming out party. He's been overshadowed, you know, with Stamkos and Hedman and, and Kucherov with those huge names there. Um, but this is a guy that was an RFA last year, got his, got his deal, and, man, is he an incredible player. So I'll, I'd go Braden Point if I was going with the Lightning, which I'm not. I do agree with you on Colorado. I think they are the team that comes out, but I don't think they win the Cup. I think the Cup could come out of the East this year. 
um, maybe because of goaltending. But I'll go with the Flyers just because I'm a homer and I'm a honk. So I'll go with the Flyers. And if I'm picking my Conn Smythe winner from the Flyers to represent these, I'm going to go with Scott Lawton right now. <laughs> I would say for Phil, yeah. <laughs> and I honestly think at this point now, Jason, I agree with you. I think I have my, as I said, I have my concerns with Boston flipping the switch. I have my concerns with the Capitals. So I really do think it's right now, as much as we, you know, it's shaded from what we're seeing so far. The two best teams in the East right now, I really do think, are the ones that we're going to be playing the next game, uh, Philly and Tampa. And if Philly gets a road there, yeah, it would be interesting to see Scott Lawton. Uh, Scott Lawton. But I'm going to go out and say if the Flyers win the Cup, I'm going to go with Kevin Hayes. Oh, wow. Boy, eat that, you people that didn't like that deal <laughs> last July. Stick that Kevin- your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> wow. I-, I talked to him last night after the game. He's on today's episode of Flyers Daily. And mm-hmm. – and I had talked to Jake Voracek the day before and Jake's like, I'm like, how's the bubble? And he's like, well, I need my, you know, I need my alone time. I go back to my room. I have my alone time. And I asked Hazy about it. And he said, uh, he said, dude, I don't want any alone time. I want to be around the boys the whole time. He's like, I'm in the lounge the whole time playing video games, watching games, hanging out. And I could see just like Hayes knocking like, Jake, come on out. And Jake being like, F you. He will not. That's not something Jake is going to want to do, but you never know. Again, that's kind of um, the part. Taking a bath. <laughs> yeah, he's just, this is what he's provided them. I mean, for everybody who certainly looked at that contract and were like, whoa. I'm sure Winnipeg's probably thinking to themselves right now, man, probably could use a little – we could have used a little bit of that in our, in our series. But, again, it all comes down to the dynamics of the team too. Yeah. The coach. System. He, and I said at this the beginning when he was signed that he Hayes was going to be kind of the Vigno whisperer for, the, for, for the, some of the players on this team to kind of – and, and Elaine has said that in interviews where he's kind of like, he knows, you know, I, I communicate in other ways. There's certain stares I give, certain mm-hmm. looks I give. And the players aren't, what does he mean by that? And Hayes is used to Hayes, he can crack the code on all that stuff for the players. Like in the beginning exactly. of the year, I'm sure he was going to guys and be like, look, dude, he's up your ass right now. He, this one's not serious. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. This is just mm-hmm. his way, you know, or telling him like, dude, he hates when this happens. Or, you know, if you, if you get to the red line and, and you, try to dump it and you get it to the top of their circle. That's something you want to avoid. Not every coach hates that, but um, yeah, he's, he's been tremendous for the team. Uh, and part B of that question is um, who does Gary Bettman eventually hand the Stanley cup to in the, in the very early October? Well, it's going to be in terms of the player. Well, again, the current team captain of the lightning would be Steven Stamkos, right? In this case, assuming he's healthy, that's a, assuming he's healthy. Again, that's the big question there. Um, yeah. I'm going to say that's pretty much it. And with the, with the possibility, I think, of Philadelphia, if they get on a roll, maybe Claude finally gets that ring. Gets that ring. We'll see. Boy, that would be great to see Claude get handed that cup. And well, it would bizarre. be so Philadelphia, yeah. wouldn't it, that yeah. you end the 45-year drought of not winning a cup and mm-hmm. the fact that you've been to six cup finals since and you lost to dynasty teams every time who won mm-hmm. a combined 20 cups. And it's in a year where you really probably can't have a parade. That's Philadelphia. Like when the Eagles won the yeah. Super Bowl, they do with a backup quarterback, right? Exactly. When the Phillies won game five, it was split over two days because of rain. Like nothing's ever easy in this freaking town. Not in recent, you know? not, certainly not in recent years. It's certainly, yeah. I think the last time we, again, the Sixers are the closest thing to a slam dunk clean championship that the city's had. Yeah. Fo, fo, fo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So again, you, you take it. And again, these, you know, it's an interesting window, but again, it would probably be, again, considering the circumstances, one of the hardest things to do. I really think so. To, to restart after four months, to get that back. And that's a testament to the culture that's been built. I think that Elvino has certainly cultivated uh, from the jump, having a strong coaching staff, having three head, three, basically three head coaches on staff, um, having, you know, have, getting the, to Chuck Fletcher, getting the right players in. Uh, to pick out the right ones to bring in to augment, again, not to override, but to augment the younger players that are starting to come into their own. Yeah, and the additions of Grant and, and uh, uh, Nate Thompson, too, Yeah, were really smart. Like, he had foresight that this was going to happen, and you'd have a 31-player uh, expanded roster, and you bring in those two guys, and you didn't give up a young guy like a Bunneman to get one of them or something like that. Yeah. Now you have the availability of both of those guys. Uh, Chuck's done a tremendous job and he's got his work cut out for him as a lot of GMs do. And that Harvard education is going to come into full, full, full play here with a flat cap and a lot of tough decisions. And um, the good news is they have some RFAs and they re-signed Friedman and 
that's very palatable, obviously, money situation, 750. So, and this was awesome, man. This is a lot of fun. Uh, it's great to be back on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Thanks to Russ for joining us as well earlier. Um, but Ant, this was awesome, man. I appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll have to do it again very soon. Absolutely, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Everybody, thanks for listening. Overdose on your hockey and enjoy your hockey. Thanks.